We have a little saying around here. It goes something like this. Theology is for everyone. Well, today on My Seminary Life, the summer of Bonhoeffer continues as we take a look at what Dietrich Bonhoeffer has to say about this idea of theology. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I'm your host, Brandon Knight. We're in the summer of Bonhoeffer, where every week we are taking a time to look at some of Dietrich Bonhoeffer's writings, lectures, sermons, a variety of different topics, dig into them a little bit and see how his work can still influence us today. And today we're going to be talking about one of his uh, most popular lectures during his time as a professor. But before we get into all of the Bonhoeffer-iness for today's episode, I want to start with the end of today's episode. That's right. I want to start at the ending because uh, there has been some, if you go into the description of this episode and look at the links, you're going to notice that there are some new links down there. And I know that when we get to the end of the episode, people probably start checking out a little bit, start checking out a little bit, you know, like it is pretty routine. And so I want to start things here today with the go into the description of this episode part because there are some new links in the description that you should be aware of if you've been uh, if you followed the show specifically on Facebook you've probably seen some posts about this but just in case you have missed it here it is for you right now first off you will see that there is a YouTube channel. That's right. My Seminary Life has entered the world of YouTube. There is a video up there already talking about my vision for why I wanted to take the show to YouTube. Uh, For a lot of people, I go more into detail in the video, but for a lot of podcasters, they see YouTube as a place for just a place to put the podcast, which is a perfectly fine way to use a YouTube channel. For me, with my seminary life, this is going to be expanded content. If the podcast is the MCU films, then YouTube is the Disney Plus shows. Okay, so uh, this is the expanded universe content. And in this first video, I go into details of what that is going to look like in the coming months. So make sure you head on over there and hit that subscribe button, enable notifications to always on. So that way you never miss the uh, release of a brand new episode and leave a comment on that first video for what kind of expanded content you would like to see in the future. So that's one link to pay attention to there in the description. Another new link down there is for buy me a coffee. That's right buymeacoffee.com slash mslpod. mslpod is all lowercase. This is a, uh, buy me a coffee is a virtual tip jar. So as opposed to Patreon, where you uh, commit to give so much money a month, how buy me a coffee, the idea here is that when you got a little extra money on your hands and you just want to be generous, or maybe you get to the end of this episode and you're like, whoa, That was a really cool episode. That was really good. And you got three extra dollars sitting around. You can go to buymeacoffee.com slash mslpod. And each virtual cup of coffee is $3. You can leave a little message if you want. And that's it. 
that's it. You just throw me three bucks. You can buy several cups of coffee if you want. One cup of coffee is $3 and you have helped support the show financially. And I thank you for it. For those of you who are like, but I want to support the show and can support the show monthly, is there an option for me? The answer is actually yes. Again, buy me a coffee is more of this virtual tip jar thing, come and go as you please, but they do have monthly subscriptions as well. So for $9 a month, which is the equivalent of buying me three cups of coffee a month, you can join the MSL fan club. And how the MSL fan club works is that you get the pride of knowing that you are regularly supporting the show every month. You also um, get a shout out here on the show and you get access to exclusive posts. For example, the one that just went up yesterday at the recording of this episode, the post that went up was what is coming out in July. Every month I'm going to post on Buy Me a Coffee for MSL Fan Club subscribers the opportunity to find out a month ahead what podcasts and YouTube videos are planned to be released that month. So you get a whole window into what's coming up before everyone else if you are willing to pay $9 a month. Buy Me A Coffee offers a lot of other interesting features as ways to financially support a creator. Right now, I'm just starting things out with those two things. That's like the basic introductory way to get started on Buy Me A Coffee. If there is interest and there's starting to become more traffic over at Buy Me A Coffee, I'll start updating it with some of these other features. But for now, it's just the the $3 tip jar or joining the MSL fan club for $9 a month. So that's the other link in the description to pay attention to. One other that you might want to check out is the well, the website. So I've been working on the website a lot lately since I've been finished with seminary and have some more time on my hand. And there's a whole new page called Playlists. And when you click on the Playlist page, again, if you follow the show on Facebook, which you should if you aren't at My Seminary Life Pod on Facebook and Instagram, folks, but follow the show on Facebook, I've been updating... I've been updating you all on there about new playlists. This is a cool feature from our new host, Captivate, where I can pile the episodes together in a nifty little, in a nifty galifty uh, po- uh, playlist. And what I've been doing is rather than, we've done a lot of series here on MSL in the past two years and change. And because of the nature of the classroom class format that means every series has roughly six to eight episodes in it so it would be a lot of short playlists if i just did it per series so instead what i've done is i've made the playlist based off of topic so for example if you click on that playlist tab you will see the spiritual growth playlist. And that one collects all the episodes from spiritual formation, discipleship methods, and roots of Sabbath. Or you can go to the sermons playlist, which collects all the episodes from revisiting my old sermons, um, communication and ministry, and then all those additional sermons I have left uh, uploaded over the past two years. So 
still working on that. I just uploaded today at the recording of this episode. I uploaded, it wasn't systematic theology. I did special. So these are all of the special editions of the show, episode 50, episode 100, the seasonal specials, a bunch of other random episodes we've done along the way. That Lord of the Rings themed episode we did back in September, the pod, the state of the podcast address. So a lot of all those episodes are now in one spot. And doing it this way, the playlists are like 15 to 20 episodes long. Like it's actually like a, a long chunk of time now that you could devote to listening to the show through these playlists. So again, three links to go check out in the description, the MSL website, buy me a coffee. Hey, buy me a coffee friend and the YouTube channel, like, and subscribe. Okay. Let's get now on to Bonhoeffer. Let's set the stage first, of course, like we did last time. The year is 1931, so this is actually right after our last episode. So last week on the show, we talked about a uh, speech that Bonhoeffer gave for, during the 1930-1931 he, while he was on tour here in the United States, uh, pleading for sympathy, love, and peace towards and unity towards the German people in light of the effects of World War I and the Treaty of Versailles on the German people. So that was last week. It's still 1931, but Bonhoeffer is now back in Berlin, and he has taken a teaching position at the Wilhelm, no, excuse me, Frederick Wilhelm University in Berlin. Berwin in Berlin. And he is teaching systematic theology. <clears throat> and he is quite the popular fellow. And part of it has to do with his age. He is a very young person. And so being young and teaching such a um, important subject, he is bringing a lot of unique, f- unique perspective to the subject that is often seen as like an old-fashioned, very stuffy subject. He's got some new ideas, new perspectives. He's young. He's hip. He's fresh. He was able to get a lot of students in his class. And this lecture that he delivers here in the in the book, in the collection that I have, it's divided divided up into six sections. And this is one of those readings where like, you have to read it out loud in order to really comprehend. I I was thinking about my own systematic theology course courses, you know, the two I had to take. Uh, you can click on the systematic theology playlist and hear all the episodes from both of those series in one convenient spot. And what's so interesting is like the, I'm just comparing like the teaching style of what he has written versus what I took. And it's just so much more lecture and thought rather than here's how it works. I just, I look back at my own systematic theology training and really my higher education experience in general. And it is a lot of, here's what you are to think. There were some exceptions. I would point to classes like um, spiritual formation, discipleship methods, even the local church ministry class where it was a little bit more 
open-ended. You're exploring your own thoughts on a subject with some guidelines. But with these these lectures that Bonhoeffer is offering, he's here. It, these are not like these are not like, and this is what dispensationalism is, and this is what postmillennialism is, and this is what you know. Fill in the blank. That was more so my experience with systematic theology was this like and this is what this is and this is what this is rather true to himself his his class is more so exploring how we got here that's it's specifically these lectures that we have here in this book i'm reading his lecture is on the history of 20th century systematic theology basically how did they get to where they're at right now in theology and so a lot and then not only how did they get here but like his thoughts and his takes on the current state of theology as well and because of that Bonhoeffer talks a lot in these lectures about a guy named Karl Barth I've decided that as opposed to last week where we went more so thought for thought through well word for word through the speech that Bonhoeffer gave this week we're going to go more thought for thought I'm going to wrestle with like two or three of the big takeaways from the reading and my own notes that I took on it rather than going through it word for word because I think we could be here for quite a while but Bonhoeffer takes a lot of time to talk about a guy named Karl Barth who is a fellow that we have not talked a lot about here on the show although in my own studying he comes up a lot and there's a reason for that so let's let's introduce Karl Barth to you all if you're unfamiliar with this name. Karl Barth was not a contemporary of Dietrich Bonhoeffer while Bonhoeffer was establishing himself getting introduced into the world of academia, theology, and ministry, Karl Barth was already established. Um, he's already, like, he's been writing, he's been uh, serving his community. He was Swiss, I believe. He was at least a Swiss pastor, I could tell you that much, serving in Switzerland. And he he was at the time, like the leading theologian. And as Bonhoeffer explores in his lecture, he has a lot of good things to say about Karl Barth and a lot of like, I I don't agree with where Barth has landed. And I want to point this out, this dynamic of, I like a lot of this part of Karl Barth, but not this stuff. And the reason why I want to camp out on that for a second is that I have not spent a lot of time personally with Karl Barth. Um, I've read some of his things here and there really good. I've liked a lot of what I've read. What's interesting though, is that as Barth has come up in my theological training in different classes and particularly in systematic theology a year or whatever, two years ago now, he is presented as the this part's really good, not this stuff over here, though. That's, a, that's like what it always comes back to is we like a lot of this, not so much this stuff over here. Again, I have not read Barth extensively for myself. Anything that I have come across has been really, has been really good. But there seems to be this like 
I don't want to say love hate relationship. That's probably too strong. Hate is probably too strong of a word, but there just seems to be this odd fascination from conservative evangelicals with Karl Barth of this, like, I believe he does fall more into the neo-orthodoxy camp. At least that's when, that's where I was introduced to him from was when we studied neo-orthodoxy in one of my classes. Um, but I, I, I like a lot of Barth, but there's this idea that like close but no cigar uh, comes up a lot. The only other person I see this a lot with is Immanuel Kant. Immanuel Kant is for sure the guy that conservative evangelicals love to hate. That I'm pretty sure of because he comes up all the time, especially when you're in the more philosophical th- philosophical and ethical conversations like ethics, um, apologetics, philosophy. I basically just repeated myself. I I apologize, folks. But when you talk about those things, Immanuel Kant comes up, and it's definitely like this love-hate relationship with the guy. Uh, Similar with Karl Barth. Maybe not so much hate, but just like a a distaste for a chunk of it. And, And Bonhoeffer is similar. He's very respectful in his diagnosis of where Karl Barth lands on certain things. Um, And... Again, Barth is already like this established theologian versus uh, Bonhoeffer, who's really just entered into the arena. I'm trying to think who that would be for me. Um, who are the leading? I Okay, so this would be like me sitting down with N.T. Wright's material and like saying, I like a lot of this. I'm sure people do this. Maybe N.T. Wright. Maybe N.T. Wright is the best example. I don't know. Depends on how you feel about N.T. Wright. But it would be like me sitting down and giving a lecture on systematic theology and commenting on spaces where N.T. Wright is is right on base and then other points where N.T. Wright is really off base. One of the big questions that Bonhoeffer wrestles with, though, in this lecture is essentially this idea of what is theology? What really is theology? You know, the the literal, like tearing apart of the word is as the study of God, right? But for Bonhoeffer, theology, doing systematic theology, talking about theology, theology is the word of God. That is theology. And it's literally both the word, like the Bible, and then also the word made flesh, Jesus. That is theology. Theology is the word of God. And so for him, he he takes this. I remember when I was reading Eric Metaxas's biography on Martin Luther, this comes up a lot in the life of Martin Luther, especially early on while he's an Augustinian monk getting his training. It, he does... T- Bonhoeffer here does tear down a little bit this idea of like we have to have theology and philosophy in or we have to have philosophy in order to understand theology. There seems he's he's tearing this down a little bit and saying that theology is the word of God the end. And at the end of this lecture he does then come back to this and wrestle with like so where is the place of philosophy within the study of theology should we dismiss it outright is it own separate thing should it still influence how we understand theology but for bonhoeffer theology is the word of god 
It is speaking the word of God. It is talking about the word of God. It is the word of God. And it is ultimately Jesus Christ, the word made flesh incarnate. Like I said, Martin Luther was in a similar space of like, why are we studying all of these, um, all of these like philosophers over studying the word of God itself while he was doing his training. And what's weird is like, I'm in this other place. It's not that I don't think that the word of God is not important. I think the word of God is very significant and should be the starting rock, the cornerstone. Jesus is our cornerstone to understanding God himself. But I'm in this weird spot where I want the philosophy. I want the, really, it's it's an interesting degree. And there's somebody I know who has this degree and I want them on the show at some point to talk about it. But it's almost like I want more of like a humanities degree in my life now of like a little bit of philosophy, a little bit of theology, a little bit of, you know, mathematics and science and English and rhetoric. I want like, I and law and like, I want this stuff. I want to understand God through these things. But ultimately, we have to strip all of this away and get back to what is really forming our thoughts what is, on who God is, what is really structuring our understanding of who God is. And we have to come back and start always first with a reading of God's word. And in a time of such great biblical illiteracy, we need to heed this more than anything else right now. And it's weird because... And it's weird for me to say that because like biblical illiteracy is a big deal thing, but I also am like here in this academic podcast, right? Or a podcast that at least likes to pose that it's an academic podcast. We're really not that academic around here, are we folks? But I do think that there is this, there is this big need for more intellectualism within Christianity. So I'm not really saying we need the plain sense, make good sense, seek no other sense approach to our understanding of God's word, but we can't forsake God's word in the pursuit of all these other things. And this has been challenging to me. And I've been looking at the show here in in the studio. How can we get back to the book, back to the Bible, right? Yeah, I've been trying to introduce, again, this like verse of the week, which ironically, I don't have one for this week. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Second Timothy 2.15, shout out to Awana. There you go. There's your verse of the week, Second Timothy 2.15. Um, study to show thyself approved unto God, folks. Like we, it's good it's healthy for us to have this intellectual time, but we cannot have the intellectual time without being rooted first and foremost on the word of God. So get back into the word of God, folks. Which takes me to the other part then of that is what, that is what theology is to Bonhoeffer is this is this diving into the word of God. It is the word of God speaking. So then what is preaching? That's like the other big question in this lecture is what is preaching? Preaching is speaking the word of God. (laughs) Like the 
preaching on a Sunday morning, I posted this quote on Facebook and Instagram this past week. You may have saw it, that it is God who has to work on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock, whether the sermon is stupid or wise. The last part's a bit paraphrased, but the, the main gist of it is that when it comes to preaching, we are to proclaim the word of God because we know God through his word and theology is done through his word and God works through his word and through the word made flesh, Jesus Christ. And so preaching has to be the proclamation of God's word. Not your own ideas, not a TED talk with a Bible verse, not just zoning in on one little one little thought within one verse. Like preaching is the declaration of God's word. It is the speaking out of God's word over his people. And it is God who works on Sunday mornings through that preaching. And taking that a step further, Bonhoeffer comes to this idea at the end of his lecture that we Do not bring the kingdom of God. It is God who brings the kingdom of God. And that is a big shot in the arm, I think. I've talked about this off and on here on the show of this idea that, like, Christians need to get it through their head that God is not dependent on us in order for the mission to be done. I do think we're supposed to be living and active in the world but the work of bringing the kingdom of God into the world is God's job. That is his work that he is doing. We are to live in it. You'll have to forgive me, folks. I just stepped away from the microphone for like three minutes, sneezing my head off. So I've lost my train of thought a little bit here. Um, but coming back to this idea of God does the work of bringing the kingdom to this world we are we live in it we actively participate in it he does the work i don't think bonhoeffer is arguing for a passiveness within the way that we live our lives here and now but instead a realigning of our thoughts of who is really doing the work here and again i think this is really important because there's a lot of Christians that the way that they operate, maybe you're one of them listening right now, the way that they operate is that like everything depends upon them to get done. And friend, you're not the savior. You're not the one doing the work. God does the work. Okay? And so many Christian content creators, I feel like I'm going to start sneezing again. Oh, no. Um, so many Christian content creators, like they're obsessed with growth. They're obsessed with like continuing to expand the reach because the kingdom of God. And it's like, yeah, you should be faithful, but that is what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we are to be faithful stewards of what is given to us and let it grow the way that it grows. Don't obsess about growth. Just be faithful to what is given to you. Jesus did not go to the ends of the earth during his earthly ministry. The disciples, the apostles, they didn't go to the ends of the earth. They thought they did, but they didn't cover all of it by themselves. God is the one who does the work. Be faithful to what he has given you. Going back to the preaching part, as somebody who likes the study of homiletics, the study of preaching, this uh, this was very challenging to me. This little blip, it was actually a very short part of his 
lecture here, um, this idea of speak the word of God. I consider myself someone who is very faithful to the word of God when I preach. I hope that's not bragging. I'm just, you know, that that's, I think I pray, I study, I write, and the whole time I am trying to be as authentic to the word of God as possible. And this was a good, healthy challenge and reminder to do, to keep it up and to push myself more as, to proclaim the word of God, to speak God's word over everybody. One last, one last thought that, uh, Bonhoeffer has here to uh, kind of wrap up, start wrapping up our time here. Boy, this episode flew by. Of course, I sneezed for like three minutes during it. Um, Bonhoeffer writes here right near the end or presents right here near the end of his lecture, this idea that to live sola fide, that is by faith alone, we must embrace God's freedom. We have to embrace the freedom that God has given us in order to to live by faith. And yes and amen. How's that for a concluding thought? You know, I've been I've been struggling folks lately. Maybe this is my uh my life moment. I've been struggling a lot lately with anxiety. I, I usually I have depression, but lately it's been really bad anxiety. And I've come to realize that one reason why I have so much anxiety in my life is because I think everybody dislikes me. I think everybody doesn't like me. And so it forces me, not that I'm trying to please everybody, but it forces me, I guess it does, it forces me to do whatever I can all of the time to make other people happy and to constantly be working and trying to do something always doing something so that way I can constantly cover my bases. This is this is my life, folks. And obviously living in freedom in Jesus means a lot. It means a lot of different things. But part of it for me right now has been embracing this freedom that that in Jesus I am loved even if I don't get the thing done. I am loved. He loves me for a number of reasons. Um, You know, being my creator as one of them and choosing to love me, even though I do not deserve it. Even though I was spiritually dead, even though I was a slave to sin, even though I was all of these, all of these things that made me unlovable, I was chosen to be loved. And so, a lot of my anxiety has been trying to embrace, fighting against my anxiety has been trying to embrace that more in my life. And also to realize that like, one, I can't make everybody like me. And two, that freedom does also mean that I can rest in Jesus and not have to always feel guilty for not doing something 24-7. That's how we're getting the full circle here, folks. Okay. So, so yeah, that's... A little bit of my of uh, my life segment worked into this conversation of, and that's you know a good closing thought for all of us is like what does it mean right now for you to live sola fide? What does it mean for you to live by faith as you embrace God's freedom right now? I think there's a lot of takeaways here, whether it's that 
if you're a preacher, are you proclaiming God's word? Is your theology rooted in the word of God or in everything that John Piper or John McAllister or John Calvin has written? That must be my problem. My name isn't John. (laughs) That's why nobody wants to hire me or grumbling issues for another episode. Um, yeah. Oh man, my nose is starting. Now my nose is starting to run. I got to start wrapping this up. A lot of good takeaways from today's episode. Hopefully you feel challenged. And if anything, if the big takeaway from this episode is you need to go read your Bible, then turn off this episode and go read your Bible. Hey, before we get out of here, should we do a culturally relevant conversation? Cause uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but it's pride month. That's right, folks. I just said the P word. It's Pride Month. So let's talk a little bit about Pride Month. Um, If you would like to know, if you're like a new time listener, a first time listener, and you would like to know more of my thoughts on the LGBTQ plus community in general, there is an entire episode devoted to that. It came out back in March, the LGBTQ plus in the church. Uh, LGBTQ plus community in the church, I should say. Uh, Actually, if you Google My Seminary Life Spotify, it's the first episode that pops up. Shockingly. I guess it's not shockingly. That's probably of all the episodes we've done over the past two years. That's like the one with the most like buzz word in the in the description. Also, the Fish Fridays episode on biblical fasting pops up as the second like episode that immediately pops up for some reason. I don't know why that one pops up, but there is an entire episode that I've done already uh, diving in more into my thoughts on the LGBTQ plus community and its relationship to the church and the church's relationship to the community. What I want to talk about today is how Christians need to get it together when it comes to virtue signaling on social media. So during this month, especially early on, you see a lot of posts. We're, we're here, really, we're like at the end of the month now, Pride Month, uh, June month. And uh, one thing that often, two things I see posted a lot at the beginning of each month, or at the beginning of Pride Month each year. The first one is how we're not supposed to be proud and the second one is this fight to take back the rainbow, right? Here's the thing. If those are your convictions, fine. Follow your convictions. My big argument here is that you should get better material and also be more consistent. Yes, we should not be proud. The Bible constantly, particularly, I would say, in the Psalms and Proverbs and also in the ministry of Jesus, talks constantly about pride being destructive. Pride goes before a fall and how humility is the way that this is supposed to work. Growth happens through humility. So yes, I, you know, we come to God in humility, like everything. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Stop being, we, being proud is not the right path to go. And so you need to stop being proud of your son whenever he hits the game-winning home run. Stop being proud of your wife for killing it on social media. Stop being proud of yourself for getting that promotion. Like this is to me this is just one of those things where we're really just cherry picking. <clears throat> Same with the rainbow argument. Same with the rainbow thing. You know, honestly, I would even say that the fight for fighting against being proud 
is more respectful than this whole let's fight to take back the rainbow thing. Look, Skittles has been saying that you can taste the rainbow by eating their candy for several years and nobody has batted an eye at that. The LGBTQ plus community uses the rainbow plus a few additional colors for transgenderism to for their flag and now all of a sudden we're freaking out about it. And yes, I understand the biblical significance of the rainbow, but if we really cared that much, maybe we should have like tried to make it more of a significant part of our theology for the past over 2,000 years. This does go back all the way into the Old Testament, folks, like way back at the beginning. We've had this example of the rainbow being significant for the Noahic covenant. So like we've had plenty of times, plenty of time to like own this. If it's really that important, like I, you, I, of all of the problems, <laughs> of all of the problems on the list, you're on like problem number 785 or something. Like, personally speaking, I think we have much bigger fish to fry than trying to reclaim the rainbow that you're not even going to yell about until next year, June, anyway. So, so all I'm trying to say here is that if you're going to get on social media, you know, again, we're like here at the end of Pride Month, so everyone's probably ran out of material by this point. But if if you're going to be on social media and you want to make a stance against the LGBTQ plus community because you feel like that's that significant, I would advise not going down those two paths because calling out Pride is like a spec plank issue. <clears throat> and the rainbow thing is, to me, that's a non-issue, at least. Honestly, you shouldn't be using social media to fight this battle anyway. If you want to fight this battle, fight it a different way. Find a different way to fight it. But that's my that's my two cents. That's my 10 cents. My two cents is free. So let's go ahead and wrap up this episode. I already plugged going into the description. So I'm also just going to remind you to read and review the ep- this show wherever you get your podcasts. Share this episode with a friend who you think could get something out of it. And yeah, I guess that's it then. The episode wraps up quick when you do everything at the <laughs> ending uh next week here on the show we're going to be looking at bonhoeffer started writing a catechism at one point and so we're going to take a look at what he was prioritizing in his catechism maybe i'll pull out i have a lutheran catechism maybe i'll pull that out and do a little comparison work before next week if i have time we'll see so again that is it for this week's episode thanks for listening and as always this is brandon signing off reminding you as always that theology is for everyone So you should read your Bible and keep on studying.